Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Nicole Plenty. I don't know about y'all, but I am ready for Mother's Day. So it's been a long year and we deserve to be pampered for all that we've been through this year. Now, I know that this is a couple weeks away, but I do think I do think that we really deserve this. I mean, think about it. For the last three years, we've gotten those piss poor gifts. And people have had an excuse, right? So now your older kids and significant others have no excuse to not get you a better gift. The pandemic has been a great excuse for them, but now we are out and about and we are having fun in the sun. So yep, we need to we need them to take us to dinner and no, an extravagant trip or an expensive gift is not too much to ask for. And y'all, if you're pregnant, make sure your spouse or mate knows that this is technically your first Mother's Day. So make sure to play this, at least this part, out loud so that they can have no excuse for not knowing. So let me repeat myself. Dads, spouses, mates, family members, her pregnancy counts for her celebrating Mother's Day. She's carried a life, so she deserves to be acknowledged and pampered. Okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's switch gears and get to today's topic. So I've had several consults and more recently several questions about the shape of the uterus. So I figured we should talk about this today. So the normal uterus, meaning if you don't have an issue with your uterus at all, when you're not pregnant, it's somewhat of like a pear-shaped with a uh, with a, a thinner bottom than the top, okay? Um, it's flat like a pancake in the inside until you're pregnant or until you're about to have a, c- a procedure that infuses fluid into the cavity. So some people have what's called a sonohistogram where we have an ultrasound that's done while fluid is being infused into the uterus just to see the shape of the cavity. Um, but if you're not doing that on a normal day-to-day basis, The middle of the uterus is flat. You have two fallopian tubes with ends that look like little fingers at the end that catch the egg when it's released from the ovaries. Now, the ovaries are not part of the tube, but it sits near those finger-like ends on each side. So you have two ovaries and two fallopian tubes normally. So when the egg is released, those finger-like ends sort of wave the egg towards it. Sort of kind of like telling the egg, come on over here, come on, come on. And the egg sort of 
wisp toward the tube and down into the tube. And the egg travels down the tube and sort of stalls halfway down to wait for fertilization. Now, if you have intercourse or if you have intrauterine insemination where the sperm is injected into the cavity, okay, same concept, then the egg can be fertilized in the tube. So fertilization happens in the tube. The fertilized egg then continues to travel down the uterine cavity. So, and the fertilized egg, remember, it's called an embryo. So once the egg is fertilized, it's an embryo. And once the embryo gets to the cavity, it sort of nestles down and embeds into the inner layer of the uterus, which is the endometrium. Okay, that's the, the most inside of the uterus. So if fertilization doesn't happen, then the egg travels into the endometrium where it is shed with the rest of the lining of the uterus, which is your period, right? So when you have a cycle every month, you're shedding whatever egg didn't get fertilized plus the lining of the uterus, the inside lining of the uterus, okay? Now, if you have an abnormal shaped cavity, sometimes this can cause some issues with the egg traveling down the tube or with the embryo being able to embed and nestle into the uterine cavity or other issues, depending on what type of cavity you actually have. Now, there are several types of abnormal uterine cavities. And most people don't know that they actually have them until they're trying to get pregnant. So one that you probably heard the most about is a bicorneate uterus. It's where the uterus is partially split uh, at that time, making an addition of at least three, excuse me, one centimeter in depth, creating two different horns. So on the outside, it looks like it's a heart shape. The middle is sort of indents in by at least a centimeter. So that's why you have the creation of a heart. And you know that as you go down the uterus, the cervix, which is the opening of the uterus, it's thinner down at the base than it is at the top. It's broader there. Okay. So if you have a little indention at the, in the middle, that's what makes it, make it look like a heart. Of course, I post pictures of this on social media so you can see them. Now, if you have a uterine didelphus, I know that's a big word to say, didelphus, that's a congenital anomaly of the uterus that occurs when you have failed fusion of the uterus. So basically, the uterus starts off into like two cylinders and then sort of fuses together. So if it doesn't fuse together, it leaves like these two different horns of the uterus and also two different cervices or your cervix. So the cervix, remember, is the open of the uterus. That's what we check to see if you're dilated, to see if the baby's coming. But you have two of those. So people that have a uterine didelphus were like, which horn is she pregnant in? Uh, which horn, which cervix are you checking to see if she's dilated? Okay, that's a real thing because you have two of them with a didelphus. For uterocornate uterus, this refers to a uterus in which one cavity is usually normal, okay? But you have one cavity with a one fallopian tube and one cervix. So most of the time you don't have but one ovary and one fallopian tube. Now this type, because the cavity is usually normal, it's just like one horn or one uh, sort of bridge into the fallopian tube. Uh, that's why your pregnancy rates are a little bit decreased, but compared to the other uterine malformation, it's close, like close to people that have a normal shaped uterus. Then you have a septate uterus. This is a congenital anomaly where there's a membrane or a septum, okay? It's like a piece of tissue that runs down the middle of the uterus and splits the uterus into two parts. Now, remember, 
for the bicornate uterus, the you can tell on the outside, it's like the top sort of indents in. For a septate uterus, the outside of it looks normal. So it's normal shape on the outside. It just has like a membrane or a piece of tissue that goes from somewhere in the middle of the inside of the uterus down. Now, that membrane, remember, it's called a septum, and it can vary in thickness. It can be really thick. It can be sort of thin. And then the length can also extend not only down the length of the uterus, but even into the cervix, and rarely can it extend into the vagina, okay? So we have people that have what's called a hemi-vagina because their vagina is sort of transected by this membrane. Now, I've seen a ton of patients with these type of uterine malformations that have had very successful pregnancies. So if this is you, just just breathe for a second, okay? This does not mean that you won't be able to have babies. And if you're pregnant, that doesn't mean you won't make it to full term. But it does mean that you need to be monitored a little closer during the pregnancy. And for some of you, especially those with a uterine septum, you might need a corrective surgery before you get pregnant. So we need to make sure that that membrane that's in the cervix is removed. We need to make sure that membrane that's dividing the the uterus into halves is transected or removed if you want it to be removed, okay? And especially if you have a septum that extends down the vagina, that could make intercourse very hard, which obviously decreases fertility as well, just because if that septum is vascular or meaning has blood supply to it, you know, every time you have intercourse, it can be painful, you can bleed. So we need to make sure we take care of that first. Now, patients with an abnormal uterus have an increased risk of having small babies or what we call fetal growth restriction, preterm labor and preterm delivery, and even losing the pregnancy. And usually those that lose a pregnancy, there's a higher risk of it being in the first trimester. So first trimester losses, but obviously any miscarriage uh, you can have at any gestational age. So you need to be monitored pretty closely. So once you're pregnant, the growth of the baby is usually followed closely about once every month after you hit the 20th week. If the baby's growth slows down, then you'll need to get fetal testing every week. Meaning if you're already hitting in the third trimester or close to it and the growth is less than what's called the 10th percentile. So we put babies on a scale of the first percentile being the smallest baby, the 100th percentile being the biggest baby, 50th percentile is in the middle. Anything between the 10th and the 90th percentile is considered some degree of normal. If the baby's growth, if you ever told the baby's less than the 10th percentile, that's a small baby. And small babies have an increased risk of stillbirth, which is why you need to be monitored closely so that if the baby does become growth restricted or smaller, we know that you need to be monitored very closely. We also know that you need to be delivered a little bit sooner to avoid the risk of a stillbirth that some babies that are small can have. All right, so now that you know a little bit more about uterine malformations or abnormal uterine shapes, let's go to some cases and questions. Our first case is a 23-year-old who is 16 weeks pregnant with her first child. She has a history of a bicorneate uterus and was told that women with this diagnosis have a higher risk of having a preterm delivery. She was told that a cerclage was recommended to reduce this risk. She was sent to you by her OBGYN for a second opinion. All right. I'm not really sure who told you that. I know that there are some sort of kind of old school maternal fetal medicine specialists that used to think 
that, hey, anything that increased your risk of a preterm delivery should be treated with a surclage. And for those who haven't listened to Pregnancy Pearls podcast enough, shame on you, you should be. But if you haven't, just know that a surclage is when there's a stitch that's placed surgically. Circumferentially, meaning we're taking in several bites around the cervix, okay, to cinch the cervix closed in sort of like a purse string fashion. And then we tie the cervix closed. That helps reduce the risk of a preterm delivery associated with cervical insufficiency by about 60%. Okay. Now, cervical insufficiency is when you have painless cervical dilation. So you have no history of preterm labor. You have no history of, you know, no bleeding, no, you know, a whole bunch of pain. You don't have any pain. So people that have a cervical insufficiency are people that showed up in their OB's office and they did had an ultrasound and they say, well, I think the cervix is sort of kind of short. They do the cervix, uh, check the cervix manually and they're already dilated. Okay. Those are people with true cervical insufficiency. You dilated, you had no idea. Okay. Those people are treated with cerclages. Now, according to the national guideline, a uterine malformation without a history of a preterm delivery, without evidence of cervical shortening is not an independent factor that would cause you to need a cerclage. Like just because your uterine shape is abnormal doesn't mean that anything's going to be wrong with your cervix. Okay. It doesn't. That doesn't negate, uh, that doesn't mean that you have to have your cervix looked at multiple times. You are not a candidate for that unless you've had a history of a pre term delivery, but this is her first child. So I would, unless she had miscarriages really late in the second trimester, well, in the first trimester or early second trimester, then she would not need a surclodge. So I would need to know a little bit more about your history, but generally speaking, the case pearl stands true. And the case pearl is a surclodge is used to treat cervical insufficiency. Just having a uterine malformation is not, and I repeat, not an indication for a surclodge. All right, medical intern, what's our second case? Our second case is a 19-year-old who is 12 weeks pregnant with her first child. On ultrasound, she was told that she has a bicorneate uterus and a uterine didelphus. She was sent to you for consultation for further evaluation and management of the uterine malformation. It sounds like her OBGYN is trying to figure out what type of uterine malformation is going on. So whether you have a bicornate uterus or a didelphus, because they can see that the shape on the outside does look a little heart-shaped. So now it's like, which one of these do you have? Bicornate or a didelphus? And the way to tell the difference is to, one, you can look at the shape and size of the horns. So if the septum goes all the way down to the cervix, then more than likely it's a bicornuate uterus, uh, excuse me, it's a didelphus and not just bicornuate. But the best way is to see if there's one cervix or two. If there are two cervices, then it's a didelphus. Because remember, a didelphus has two horns that never fuse together during development. So it's two horns. There's also two cervices. And then you have to be really careful to see if there is also any membrane that extends down into the vagina although that would be more consistent with a septate uterus as opposed to a uterine didelphus. So two different horns you see, and then you also see two different cervices with a uterine didelphus. So for didelphus, we think doubling. 
two of everything, doubling, okay? Now for the management of either one of these, um, she's 12 weeks, she's early. So we're gonna do routine genetic screening. I'm gonna offer her a nuchal translucency like I would do anybody else. And I'm also gonna offer her options for genetic screening with an NIPS or non-invasive prenatal screen and or fetal testing to test for Down syndrome, trisomy 1813 with a blood test, a non-invasive prenatal screen. So that's everybody. We offer that at 12 weeks. Then I am going to do a physical exam to look to see how many services we have. And then after I figure out which one we have, then I'm going to recommend that she come back for a detailed scan around 20 weeks, because I know that people that have a history of uterine malformations also have an increased risk of their children having something going on with their development, okay? If they're having girls, they could also, those children can also have uterine malformations that we can't see on ultrasound, but they can also have cysts on their ovaries and things like that. So we want to make sure we're doing a detailed scan. And they also have an increased risk of being having smaller children. So we're going to follow the growth of those babies once a month to make sure they're normal. And as long as the growth is normal, there'll be no reason to have an early delivery. There will be no increased risk, anything bad happening, okay? But we want to make sure if it is a small baby, since small babies do have an increased risk of stillbirth, we want to make sure that we intervene and deliver her before anything happens during the pregnancy. So that's the reason for needing the growth scans every month to make sure that the growth stays normal and she doesn't need to be delivered early. But to circle back, the case pearl is a cerclage is used to treat cervical insufficiency, meaning a weak cervix that painlessly dilates, not just to treat preterm labor or risk of preterm labor. Old school, they used to do that. Now we know that causes more harm than benefit, okay? And just having a uterine malformation is not an indication for cerclage, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you can't have one if you do need one. So if you do have painless cervical dilation, or if you're somebody that has a history of that, or we see that your cervix has shortened um, or started to dilate, then we would offer you a cerclage, but not just off of a uterine malformation alone. All right, medical intern, what's our last question or case? Our last question says, Dr. Plenty, I've been knowing I have a unicorniate uterus since I was 17 years old during a workup I had after an abnormal period. Now I'm 26 years old and 20 weeks pregnant. I had an MFM consult and a renal ultrasound was ordered on me, not the baby. The MFM said that it was because of my uterus, but I don't understand what my uterus has to do with my kidneys. Could you please explain? Okay, first off, I'm sorry that they didn't explain this before they ordered it because we need to make sure we're very clear about why certain labs are ordered on us. And so they should have done a better job explaining this to you. So people that have issues with their uterus have an increased risk of also having renal malformations, okay? Um, and that's that's because of errors of development that happen at the same time that the kidneys are developing is when the uterus is developing. So there's a 20 to 30% association of renal malformation and those that have uterine abnormalities. So anybody that has a documented uterine abnormality, and it doesn't matter which of the ones I've talked about that you have, also need renal ultrasound at some point in their life to document that they have two normal kidneys. 
a lot of times people with bicornate uterus or didelphus or any of these uh, malformations can have one kidney missing. They can have pelvic kidneys, so they're way down low, like by the bladder, and people don't see them. They don't know where they are. Um, they can also have what's called horseshoe kidneys, where the kidney, there's like one kidney that crosses the midline of the body instead of having two kidneys. Why is it important to know that you have what you have going on with your kidneys? Well, one, if your kidneys are compressed by things in the abdomen, we need to know about that. If you have a horseshoe kidney and you end up having kidney disease, that can be very impactful because you only have that one horseshoe kidney, okay? If you only have one kidney, you also need to make sure we're protecting that kidney. So people that have one kidney, their blood pressures ran a little bit, you know, managed a little bit tighter than people that have two kidneys because we don't want that one kidney to be compromised ever, okay? And if you have a normal kidney in a normal location and we can't find the other, we want to know if you have a pelvic kidney. If we're doing a C-section on you, we need to know what's down there. So it's really important to see if you have renal malformations, because if you do, that could put you at risk for some renal disease long-term. Now, mind you, the kidneys, big part of the control of your blood pressure. It's also a big part of the control of filtering of the urine, filtering of waste out of your blood that then becomes urine. Okay. So if you have your kidneys compromised, that can actually compromise longevity of your life. So that's why you need a renal ultrasound to make sure that because of your malformation, you don't have anything else associated abnormal with your kidneys. So that's very important and it needs to be documented. So if you had, think you had a renal ultrasound already at some point in your life, you just need to prove that, hey, I had this done at this date because it's definitely standard of care to make sure that you have two normal kidneys and that we get you through the pregnancy with normal kidney function if you have a uterine malformation. So I hope that that gives you a little bit of explanation. All right, medical intern, do we have any more cases? And she's shaking her head. No, you guys. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast. I hope that you've learned more about your uterus, what's normal, and uterine malformations, aka an abnormally shaped uterus. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to share with your friends, rate, and comment. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or a unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also feel free to check out the YouTube channel for more quick talks about pregnancy complications, the website, drnicoleplenty.com for free pregnancy downloadables. And for God's sake, catch up on all the episodes of the podcast and don't forget to share with your friends. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions 
regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.